the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. And uh, welcome. Welcome on the Sunday evening. In the next two segments, we're going to be talking about uh, our veterans, uh, military veterans, and what a university, my favorite university in Kent, Ohio, Kent State University, is doing about it. So with us tonight, we have the director of that program, is Josh Ryder, calling us tonight. Josh, you on the line with us? Nick, I am. Oh, hey, thank you for calling in tonight, and uh, thank you for all you do for the veterans down there at Kent State. But uh, you know, tell us a little bit about you. What What is your job down there, and, and how did you get involved with veterans? Sure, absolutely. Um, and again, thank you for having me on, and thank you for your service as well, Nick. Oh, you're welcome. I, I enjoyed it. Actually, oh, as one can enjoy the military. <laughs> Absolutely. I, so I, I myself, um, I'm the interim assistant dean of students um, and the director for the Center for Adult and Veteran Service at the Kent campus. Um, and really, how I got involved in that is, is it started out uh, in 2006. I was involved in uh, federal financial aid in the Office of Student Financial Aid and began my career there in higher education with processing veterans' benefits. And this was before the big really the big explosion and the introduction of the post-9-11 GI Bill in 2009. You know, when that changed, uh, when that uh, occurred and was implemented, it, boy, it changed everything. Mm-hmm. It uh, tripled the number of veterans and service members on our campuses nationwide. But certainly at the Kent campus, that was the effect, is that it tripled the number of, of folks that we were serving. And, and that really grew to the point to where, you know, it really demanded an office of its own um, or an office that really dealt more with the needs of non-traditional students to include veterans and their benefits. And it really grew from there. I, I started out there and then uh, moved my way up to the place that I'm at now. When uh, Before 9-11, when we talked about veterans, I think for the most part we were thinking of um, Vietnam veterans and the old Korean War veterans and the older World War II veterans. And when, when I would think of the term veteran, I would think of like the VFW and the American Legion filled with a bunch of old guys. But that's not the case now. Since 9-11, we've been in a, almost a constant state of war, and we've been generating veterans annually. Uh, what, what is the look of the current veterans that come out to Kent State? Well, you know, the veteran right after, you know, kind of those folks that came out and came to us right in 2009 to 2000, probably 12 or 13, we had a lot of combat veterans, Nick, a lot of combat veterans, um, a lot of combat arms folks, right? A lot of Marines, a lot of Army, certainly all five branches. But, you know, it's Northeast Ohio, and that's a very heavily represented demographic there of our veterans that we were seeing. Uh, Very highly dedicated, great Mm -hmm. students, absolutely. But certainly with a completely different experience than a lot of folks that have been serving in more of those peacetime uh, militaries that we had seen since the end of the first Gulf War, right? So a completely different experience for those young veterans. And again, young, you know, that that 24-year-old feeling, right? 21 to Mm -hmm. 24 Mm -hmm. years old. Um, And now we're starting to see that uh, really even, you're certainly seeing veterans of all ages, but we definitely see also a younger veteran. You know, there are shorter commitment or enlistment times now. You're starting to see a lot of folks that are, you know, that 21, 22 years old. Um, Again, very well prepared. Excellent students. Uh, These are are people not right out of high school. They've had a chance to see the world and to uh, really really mature big time. Big time. They may look the same age as their peers in classes, right? But in many ways, they're, they're peers only in appearance, right? I mean, in experience and and in maturity and, and that, it's definitely a, uh, it is definitely a unique type of student. Yes. Well, by the numbers, uh, how many veterans do we have going to Kent State? Do we have any numbers on that? Absolutely. In the eight-campus system, we have 800 folks using, um, right about 800 folks using VA 
outweigh educational benefits. At the Kent campus, that number is about 600. Which is a lot, and people coming down every it day. Is. What what kind of benefits are there for veterans? I'm sure, assuming educational you know benefits. Uh, what what are those like? They're very robust now. They're very robust. The, the post-9-11 was really an introduction of the World War II-era GI Bill. Uh, you're really looking at a, a veteran, a student veteran, that gets 100% of their tuition and fees covered. They get a stipend for books up to 500 per semester and a housing stipend based on the, the zip code of the institution that certifies their benefits. So, you know, in Kent, that brings them in around the, you know, about 1300 bucks a month as a housing allowance payment for a full-time student. It's a very strong benefit. Do we have veterans coming to Kent actually living in dormitories and leading a normal college uh, experience? You know, we, as far as our veterans know, they really um, they don't reside in the dormitories or the residence halls. They want to live in the community, in apartments, and off campus. Now, we certainly get Guard and Reserve members, you know, who are 18 to 21, 22 years old, who come right out of high school. They're in the, you know, they're actively drilling. But in many ways, their experiences are that of a traditional student, right? They, mm-hmm, they um, are going to live in those residence halls. Maybe they're an ROTC. Maybe they're not but they certainly have more of a traditional experience. The student veteran does not, by and large, live in the residence halls. Now, now with regard to veterans, we have, like you mentioned, ROTC. We have uh, mm-hmm. vet- veterans. We have uh, people who I assume are in the, the Guard and the Reserve now who are not yet veterans in the sense that they left the military. Uh, do, they all qualif- do they all qualify for uh, at least assistance from your, your group? You know, that absolutely, absolutely. So veterans, service members, and in many cases now with the way the post-9-11 GI Bill works and other benefits, there are services for dependents as well, you know, VA educational benefits for dependents. But for those service members, yes, absolutely. They qualify for a, uh, a portion of the Montgomery GI Bill for selected, uh, for selected reserve, right? But if they've had any active duty time, any activations, then they can also qualify for post-9-11 GI Bill benefits as well. You know, and of course, for our Guard members, there's the Ohio National Guard Scholarship, a very, very good program, pays 100% tuition for a full-time student. So this is somebody now who's just graduating from high school, can join the Guard, and just walk right into college and get that all paid for. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Yep, the tuition. I mean, you know, room and board, of course, you're going to have to do what folks do, whether that's scholarships or the FAFSA, but your tuition is covered. Yep. Have we seen these numbers going up, or are they rather steady now, or are they dropping? We've seen the number of, really, the, the number of people that we have as far as that we serve, right, is going to stay roughly the same. But the makeup is, is different. So our Guard and Reserve components, we're seeing those numbers increase. We're seeing our veteran population slightly decrease. And we're certainly seeing a rise in the number of dependents that are qualifying as a result of their parents' disability, Um whether the parent is unfortunately deceased um, as a result of their service, um, or if the parent has transferred their post-9-11 GI Bill benefits to them. Mm-hmm. So those numbers are increasing. Well, it seems like there's a lot of constituencies that all fall under the umbrella here of, of veterans. And uh, when, yes. when we go down to Kent, where is your office located, or do you have a, a series of offices and facilities? Sure. We are located over in room 181 of the Schwartz Center. Um, right, right on campus. So um, it's right across from the student center, the library, the uh, same building that your bursts are, your financial aid, your admissions. Those folks are all located. So um, parking, those kind of things. So you know, it's a student services building. So yeah, going back to us uh, old timers down there at Kent, uh, it's the old university school building, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes. Oh, that that is that is really crazy. Well, very good. We're, we're talking to Josh Ryder from Kent State University, who is in charge of Veterans Affairs down there at Kent. And uh, just uh, it's great that you're taking care of this. Do, do the students know about this? Is it well publicized? Absolutely. And we yes, that's a you know, that's a great question, because we do a lot of, of um, just survey data and we've done some focus groups and we really like to do assessment. Right. It's so important to know your population and to be sure that they're aware of your programs and services. Because if they're not, you know, what, 
what good is that, you know, what good is that doing them, right? So we make sure that from the point in time of inquiry, from the point in time of application to Kent State, that they get a communication from this, an automatically mm-hmm. generated communication from our office that indicates, hey, thank you for considering Kent State. Here's a bit about our services and what some of the things you can receive as a veteran service member, you know, or adult learners, of course, as well, but as a veteran or service member. And then when they're admitted, they get another communication that directs them to us. Well, excellent. We're going to come back and uh, talk more to Josh Ryder from Kent State University and uh, Veterans Affairs. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK along with uh, Josh from uh, Kent State University. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips & Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Please call The Advocate with your questions or comments at News Talk 1420 WHK at 888-281-1110. That's 888-281-1110 or locally 216-901-0945. And now here's your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back. This is Nick Phillips with you again on The Advocate. And we're talking to Josh Ryder from uh, Kent State University. He's in charge of the Veterans Affairs down there at Kent. And uh, Josh, again, thank you so much for joining us. Not a problem, Nick. Thanks for having me on. And uh, thanks for uh, you and your staff doing for all the veterans down there. Actually, all the military, as we talked about, the uh, ROTC people, the uh, Reserve, the Guard, and uh, the people who are coming back and are off active duty. 
Uh, what are some of the programs down there that we haven't talked about yet that still are available that you want to make sure the veterans hear about? Absolutely. You know, we uh, we work with the population, and now sort of the, some of the, the verbiage on that, they call this the military-connected population. You know, that's not just the veterans, but the service member and the dependent as well. So we do um, we really do a couple different things to engage this population. One of the things that we do is a newsletter uh, that goes out to those folks so that they can be aware of services that we offer, whether that be benefits processing, whether that be a student organization, whether that be events on campus that we're putting on that bring awareness, et cetera, at the time, but also other campus services that we want to make sure that our student veterans, service members, dependents, our military-connected population is attached to, right? So our, our tutoring services, right? Particularly for the veterans and service members, that's key, right? Mm-hmm. It, perhaps you have not been in school in eight years. And it is time, really, when you come back, you want to connect with those campus services. Um, Maybe you had an IEP in high school, right? And you went away for four years to the service. You came back. We need to connect you with student accessibility services to make sure that, you know, you're getting those accommodations that you need to be as successful as possible. Would this include, like, mentoring and helping uh, these students get back into the mode of what it's like to study again? It, yes, it does. Absolutely. So really connecting them to those services mm-hmm. that, that, you know, kind of really retrain them. Yes, they're, they're dedicated, right? They're ready. They are ready to learn. They know how to manage their time. But the, the classroom environment is different than the military classroom environment. So that is something that really we want to reconnect them with that. That's one piece. We also have a program, a really exciting program I'd like to talk about if I could. Oh, sure. Called the Go Veteran ahead. Career Initiative. Oh, no problem. Um, the Veteran Career Initiative, it is uh, VCI for short. VCI is a donor-funded program which takes a cohort of veterans and, and brings them through a career mentoring and engagement process. goes from, in this case, this is the inaugural year, so it really kicks off um, with the selection of the, of, the, of the cohort in the summer and then constantly engaging them, gathering what level of skills they have, with through assessment, and then in the spring, kicking off a an experience, right, with colleagues on campus like career development and exploration and university libraries, for example, that really get them tied in with resources to make them successful and help them transition from that junior, senior year into paid internships and into eventually career. Very exciting. Yeah, that's Very what exciting. I was going to ask about that with regard to uh... – Having the veterans go through Kent State and getting a degree, uh, how what kind of services do you offer to help them get employment or get on to grad school or get on to a higher education beyond that bachelor's? That's a, that's a really great question. And um, one of the things that we had prior to this, you know, we, of course, would sit down with them in our office um, ourselves if they ask questions about, hey, what can I go to grad school? What are my options? Who do I speak to about doing graduate work? and making sure that they, they had all those pieces. Also mm-hmm. connecting them to career development and exploration. Their team there does an excellent job with mock interviews, with helping them take those military experiences and translating them into a civilian resume. Often these folks have leadership experience and different experiences that they don't even know that they had in logistics and things, but they just did this, right? They just did this work in the, in the armed forces. Right. It's all on how you say it. Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. And they would, uh, they'll help them translate that into a civilian resume, which with their degree really bolsters that experience, right? I mean, they have a four, you know, they've, they've gone somewhere four, eight, 12 years of working experience. You got to translate that into a resume. Mm-hmm. And that's a key mm-hmm. thing we connect them with. Well, it sounds like they have real advocates down there in your, your department uh, for the, for the veterans. And to put things in perspective, you said there's about 600 at Kent's main campus, 600 veterans. And uh, what, what's the total student population down there at Kent State? I believe we're in about 27,000 students, grad and undergrad, at the Kent campus. And I think that sounds about right. Wow, that, well, that's a huge number. And uh, do the veterans blend in okay? Or I know you have 600 that you guys provide special assistance to, but 
Uh, how about campus life and getting along with other students? Is, you know, we always see these old movies, especially back in the Vietnam years of uh, military and students. But uh, I would think that the veterans are blending in real well. They are. They are. And, and a big piece of that is an incredibly accepting campus culture. You know, not just our office. Our office could not do that work alone. Uh, so you have a very, um, a very accepting campus culture of our veterans service members, from our faculty to our staff, other students. They really report that they have a good satisfaction with the environment and don't feel like they're mm-hmm. alienated or singled out. Now, if, if there's somebody out there listening who knows a veteran who's a student at Kent State and is not taking advantage of your veterans program, how would they get in touch with you guys? Sure. They can either walk in anytime, uh, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. We have walk-in hours available all the time. That's how we do the bulk of our business. They can email us. Um, they can give a phone call to the office directly at 330-672-7933. And one of our student veterans who are, are function as our uh, front-end customer service professionals, we'll get them to the right staff member. Do they need any paperwork uh, verifying their veterans like for example do they still have the dd form 214 is that something out there yet absolutely they sure do but it's not really a requirement to bring that to our office we can talk them through the entire process and you know ascertain what what services they need and where we need to connect them and if they're getting their benefits sometimes folks will walk in and they're not even aware of a certain benefit that they can receive or that their dependents can receive so that's a, a piece that we really like to educate them on now, coming up, looking for future months, future years ahead, are there any uh, programs that uh, are on the table and they're s- still being drafted? You know, um, in regards to it's really an expansion of that Veterans Career Initiative. This was the pilot program, so we brought in a cohort of 10. And then we're looking to expand that number in the upcoming year and, and have a, you know, a, greater, uh, a greater footprint, if you will. So that's something we're, we're talking about with our campus partners, on how we do that, right, and make that experience open to more student veterans and service members. That's one piece. And we're always looking at improving our, our GI benefits processing components. You know, there's a lot of changes are rolling out, Nick, with the Colmary Act, mm-hmm. um, some of those forever GI Bill components that have come out. Nationwide, it's going to change the way benefits are processed. So it's about getting out the information to the student. It is about allow, letting them understand their benefit and knowing how the you know, different processing times of the Veterans Administration have changed and, and you know, how those things will, you know, to make them prepared. Well, tell, tell us a little about, you mentioned a, a new program that is Veterans Benefits Forever. Tell us a little about that. Sure, absolutely. The Colmary Act, really, it kind of rolled out in 2017, and it's called the Forever GI Bill. And one of the components is when you get the post-9-11 GI Bill, you have 36 months of educational benefits to use, right? And that's no, that doesn't mean you have just three straight years only. No, that means a semester, for example, is four months of benefits. So, however, there was a delimiting date. If you did not use those 36 months in X amount of time, they simply went away. Mm-hmm. And that was detrimental to the veteran. Let's say that they went out of the service and they worked. Or, they, you know, life happened, right? And, right? and next thing you know, you're like, right, you know, that happened. And then next thing you know, you're like, I want to go back to school. Oh, I only have two or three years left to use these. How can you complete a degree, you know, in two to three years when you're probably working and, and you're going to need more time to do that? The Forever GI Bill, for those folks that were discharged on or after 1 January of 2013, those folks have no delimiting date. So there's no, I mean, you have 36 months, but you can use them throughout your life. Oh, my. That, that is huge. It's I huge. remember during the old days that, right, I was part of that uh, process where you had to use your, your VA rights. Uh, just you had those months. And after that, if you didn't finish your program, you're just out of luck. Yep. You have to do yeah, that on your own. X amount of years. Yep. My, yep. X amount of years. Mm-hmm. Well, my goodness. So well, people come in. It sounds like a great program out there, and hopefully people who are listening here tonight uh, are going to get uh, over to Kent State if they're veterans or if they know veterans or they're related to veterans and see what happens. 
So, Love it. That'd be uh, great. Outstanding. Well, Kent State University and the Veterans Department, uh, thank you so very much, Dean Josh Ryder down there at Kent State. So we'll uh, be sure to stop by and see you when, next time we're down on campus. That'd be great. Stop in any time. We'll do that. So thank you very much. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words, and we're going to talk to uh, Jennifer Fitzpatrick talking about caregiving so that when we have uh, a family relative that we're going to be taking care of, we're going to talk about some of the difficulties and some of the joys in having that kind of relationship with a loved one. So don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. In the next uh, two segments, we're going to be talking about caregiving. You know, if we live long enough, we uh, may be the recipients of a caregiver, or if we have older parents or relatives or disabled uh, family members or friends, we may find ourselves in that situation of being a caregiver. We're going to be talking tonight, and we have her on the line now. Uh, we're talking to Jennifer Fitzpatrick. Jennifer, thank you so much for calling. Uh, where are you calling oh, from? Where are you calling oh, from? Maryland. Thanks, Nick. Maryland, yes. Uh, and uh, tell us a bit about yourself, because you wrote a book called Cruising Through Caregiving, which seems like an oxymoron. I don't know how you can cruise through caregiving because uh, it's a very difficult task it, it's not well my philosophy is caregiving is no vacation but if you put your mind to it you can cruise more smoothly through the process well you have to do some kind of mind games to uh, to get to that point because it is work it's very difficult work uh, well tell us a little bit about your background and uh, where you come from and, and how you got interested in this subject 
Sure. So I am a clinical social worker and a certified uh, speaking professional. I have been in the field of healthcare for 30 years. So since I was in high school, I worked in a senior living community when I was 16 and so fell in love with older adults. I actually had really terrific grandparents who were not only my grandparents, but were some of my best friends. And I saw a lot over the years in working in healthcare, working in senior living, that people who were family caregivers, whether they were spouses, whether they were adult children or grandkids, they were so stressed out caregiving. And like you said, Nick, caregiving is exhausting, but I saw so many ways that they could make their lives less stressful if they tried. And so that's a lot about what I write about, what I speak about. Uh, I speak at a lot of conferences about this very topic, about how to reduce the stress of caregiving. That's something that I think is so critical because if you don't have somebody who feels good taking care of you, then your care is going to suffer. Well, that, that is so true. I think for those of us who are not involved in active caregiving at this point, uh, we, we may have some uh, preconceived notions of, of what the person needing care is all about and how much care do we need to give them. But uh, as people age, if you know someone like uh, a parent, as is most common, uh, they suddenly don't become totally dependent upon a caregiver. It's a gradual thing that develops. Uh, right, and most, the thing that I think a lot of us don't realize is most older adults are independent. They can take care of themselves, but when somebody starts to, like you said, have a gradual decline and they start to need care, it, it really can become difficult, not just for the family member who has to do the work, but it's hard for that person who's aging to accept that they can't do things for themselves. Well, I've, I've seen that a uh, number of times. Uh, one of the big things, and, and we've talked about this before your interview, is the idea of someone transitioning as they're aging and they're declining and uh, they are taking care of themselves and they're totally independent. And one of the first things that's going to really hit home here is they shouldn't be driving anymore because of a variety of reasons, vision, maybe mental memory as to where they're going or where they're coming from. Uh, how how do you address that situation? That's a big one. Well, we have to look at this in two different categories. The category of the person who has dementia and then the person who does not have dementia. And I believe the approaches have to be quite different. So which one do you want to start with, Nick? Well, let's, uh, let's start with vision because that's sort of more of a physical thing and... Uh, I would, I would think that uh, people, as their vision is fading and they don't get cataract surgery or they have macular degeneration, they're going to keep driving uh, until um, either they decide on their own, which I guess they ultimately have to do, or someone actually brings that point home to them. So how do we handle so, that? So, Nick, you're talking about, okay, somebody does not have dementia, but they've got some physical issues right. that are making them a less effective driver. Well, very you bring up vision, there's a lot of things that can happen. So for one, all of us as we get older, our reflex and our reaction time slow down. So just merely getting older makes us a little less quick to slam on the brakes if somebody goes through a red light. But like you brought up the issue of vision, if you have vision problems, if you have debilitating arthritis, if you have any other, maybe you have a seizure disorder, if you have any other kind of condition, that needs to be looked at and it's really important for people to be talking to their doctors and saying, you know, is this something that we, I should be looking at my driving? If you're a friend or a family member, you know that your loved one does not necessarily want to hear this. So my advice is to be specific about why you're concerned about the driving. So for one reason to share is observations that you have made. Mom, we were in the car and you didn't seem to see that, that stop sign. Mom, you were going below the speed limit on this day. Uh, Mom, you know, you seem like you've had a, a number of fender benders on these dates. These are concerns for me. And know that you're opening up the conversation. It's unlikely on that day 
when you bring your observations to your loved one that they're going to say, sure, you know what, I'm going to stop driving. Well, uh, as, as you're going through this, is there a point in time where the uh, adult child says, I'm taking the keys? I always hear that phrase, we, we took the keys <laughs> from mom or we took the car keys from dad. Does, does that happen and, and what leads up to that? Well, Nick, you bring up a great point, but that's, that's the difference between somebody who has a dementia diagnosis and someone that doesn't. You're an attorney. You know this better than anybody. It, we have a lot of rights, and if you, are, you have capacity and you're legally competent, you, even if your doctor says stop driving, even if your adult child says, I don't want you to drive anymore, ultimately, it's the decision of the individual. And in a lot of ways, that's good, but it can be very scary and very dangerous. So I think what we have to do as concerned family members, friends, neighbors, we have to continuously broach the conversation and bring evidence. Here's my concerns. This diagnosis happened. Don't make it about you're 90 and you're unsafe. Talk to them about specifically what's wrong. And the other thing that you might suggest to them is go to an AARP smart driver course. So AARP has in-person and online courses that people can take, and one of the incentives for people to do this is that most insurances are gonna give you a discount if you take the course. And so let's say that you're 55 and your mother's 80. Maybe you both go. You maybe make it a holiday gift. You both go, you take the course, and maybe during the course of this, either one of two things will happen. One, mom is not going to do well in the course, and she's going to realize that there's some issues, or maybe she's going to tighten up some of her driving skills during the course, and maybe she'll be a better driver. So I don't think that using a resource like that could hurt. That sounds like a good idea, and, and as long as uh, you know, mom or dad, uh, they're still with us yet mentally. But we we're talking about dementia as a, another another condition that would develop that would make driving dangerous. Uh, what are some of the first signs uh, of of serious dementia? We have the age-related uh, forgetfulness, like where did I put the car keys? But right. uh, when when does it escalate to the point that you should be concerned as an observer? Well, I think a lot of times we think about little things like forgetting the the keys or losing your phone. We all do that. That's really nothing to be concerned about. But, you know, maybe you, you leave your phone in the refrigerator oh. or you put your keys under the deck behind your house. I mean, putting stuff in really places that really just does not make a whole lot of sense. But more than that, you forget, like, you know, Thanksgiving is coming upon us. The holiday season is upon us. And you forget what you did for the holidays. You forget, let's say your granddaughter tells you that she's pregnant. If you forget something as big as that, that's a concern. I'm not saying, okay, you forget that you had a doctor's appointment. You, you might forget if you didn't write it down. But something as big as your granddaughter's telling you she's having a baby, that is something that would be a concern. We also see poor judgment, confusion. Uh, so maybe going out in the winter time, like now where it's so cold, and you're going out in really light clothing, or you go outside in a snowstorm with no shoes on or your flip-flops on, those would be signs that something is off. Uh, another example might be that you go to pick up, maybe you pick mom up, you're, you're going to a bridal shower, and mom always dresses really nicely for an event like that. And you go to pick her up, and she looks like all the clothes that she has on came out of the laundry hamper. No, I, I can see so, that happening. All right, we're going to take a short break. We're talking to uh, Jennifer Fitzpatrick, uh, an expert on uh, dealing with... Uh, people who are getting old, which hopefully we will all grow to be old, and how to uh, deal with the caregiver, and how to care to, the caregiver should be dealing with the parents. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Jennifer in a few moments. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate.
more than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I, at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. Again, thank you for joining us. And we'd like to welcome again Jennifer Fitzpatrick, an expert in uh, caregiving and helping senior citizens out. Jennifer, thank you so much for calling. Thanks, Nick. Uh, We were talking about dementia and and watching it uh, grow uh, and gradually becoming more pronounced that people will have to lose their driving privileges, like if they don't know where they're going, they're, they're lost, and, uh, and other things that you mentioned during the last segment, uh, doing in really inappropriate things and not remembering significant things, danger signs there. But, but going beyond that, as a caregiver, uh, people, there's always, where there are multiple children, uh, there's usually one child who's going to take the role of caregiver. Uh, or they, the parents go to a nursing home if it's way beyond what the children can handle. What are some of the thoughts and things that uh, an adult child listening to the program now, seeing this in their parents, that they're getting older and starting to show signs of, of really being needy? What, what should they look for and how should they handle that? So as far as dementia goes, we talked about some of those signs, but other signs might be that the person's starting to isolate, not going out of the house. Maybe there could be a variety of reasons. There could be depression. It could be dementia. It could be the person just doesn't feel well anymore. That Maybe their arthritis is really flaring up. But any kind of withdrawal, that's a concern. Uh, one thing that you find often is living in one room of the house or in two rooms of the house. So it might be maybe you live out of town and you come back to Cleveland for the holiday season and everybody's gathering at your sister's and you don't actually go to mom's house. Go over, make sure you visit mom's house and take a look around. I'm not saying be be a snoop, but see, I mean, are there dishes piled up? Does it look like she's been sleeping on the couch because she can't navigate the stairs anymore? So, you know, that, those are some big things. Forgetting to take medicine is another really big one. Oh, and listen, do, we all forget medicine. Yeah. Well, another thing is uh, do a pill count, see if they have their 30 days yep. of medication and it's all there yet. Or, mm-hmm. or, or check the refrigerator always seemed to be a good thing to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you, you, you get it, Nick. Checking the refrigerator, is, are is it ex- items in the refrigerator expired or 
are they, you know, is there, is there actually enough food in there? So those are some signs that the person might need a little bit of extra help. But again, we were talking earlier about driving. Observe the driving. Uh, is the person going the speed limit? Going too slow is often a sign that something's wrong. I could see that. Uh, very, very tenuous. Well, as, as people are, are becoming more and more in need of caregiving, uh, I think from from the caregiver's standpoint, uh, it, it translates into time. The person requires more and more time. And, and your book uh, called Cruising Through Caregiving, we, we talked before the interview about making or, or creating, I suppose, uh, uh, images in your mind as far as how you can do this successfully and cruise through caregiving and, and make it easy? I mean, what, what are some of the tips to make smoother. it, make it caregiving, smoother? Caregiving, I said, we were talking, Nick, Nick uh, was saying, how can caregiving be a cruise? What yeah, the right. idea is, is that caregiving is never going to be a vacation, but if you put your mind to it, you can cruise more smoothly through the process. And in Cruising Through Caregiving, you can actually download a free chapter, cruisingthroughcaregiving.com. But every chapter is 15 chapters, and every chapter is a different way to reduce the stress of being a family caregiver. Well, and uh, you know, some of the names of some of the chapters are uh, the older adult is still an adult. Uh, I remember just in our own experiences how... Adults, no matter what their incapacities, physical or, or mental or emotional, they they want to have some control over something. You you can't uh, treat them like a child. That becomes a problem. And we see people do that a lot. So let your parent or your your loved one do what they can. I remember seeing my aunts and uncles dropping off my grandmother at the door of a restaurant when she could walk. And I know it's very chivalrous and gentlemanly and all that good stuff, but I would say, hey, let's just let's just all park and walk together because she's she need this is her exercise. She wasn't going to the gym or running marathons, but when she was still able, let her walk. Yeah. I I could see that uh that you have to keep them going, keep them engaged with uh with society and not be isolated and becoming uh, un unable to care for themselves. I know one of the um, chapters you have is called uh, Think Really Hard Before Moving In and Think Really Hard Before Quitting Your Job. You know, we're, we're talking now about uh, you know, the, the advancements toward the uh, end-of-life issues for, for people you're caregiving for. How, what are some of the things you should think about before you actually quit your job and move in? Right. So in Cruising Through Caregiving, the chapter on moving in, I think a lot of times people think, well, if I'm a good caregiver, if I'm a good son, good daughter, I should either move in with my mom or she should move in with me. But I think you need to think really hard about, well, one is logistics. Like, say you have three teenage daughters and, you know, mom moves in and she's now going to have to share a bathroom with them. Is that going to work out logistically? Also, does your spouse get along or your partner? Who, you know, what are the dynamics going to be in your household? I think sometimes we assume that expenses are going to go down if your loved one moves in. Maybe there's, there's less rent to pay or mortgages or what have you, but is, is, is your loved one going to contribute? How is that going to work financially? So I think you just – it's a good thing. Some families it works out great. In some families it does not. So you want to just think about it. Think about the logistics. There's actually a worksheet in the book, and actually you can download this worksheet for free on cruisingthroughcaregiving.com. Um, and it's again, it's a worksheet on should I should we move in? Should mom move in, or should I move in with her? And it gives you some questions to really ponder. Does this make sense for me, my mom, my family? You know, we we talk about um, the skills that you have to endure. I know one of the one of the problems that people think about is what, what happens when mom or dad becomes incontinent and has to be showered and all of this stuff. Is this something that uh, people can do, or what about the people who just can't bring themselves to do that? Well, it's interesting that you say that, Nick, because there's a lot of people that that does not come naturally to them to take care of, of their loved one, helping them in the bathroom, and that's okay. But maybe something else comes naturally to you. Maybe helping with the bills or 
maybe just sitting with them and watching a football game. Um, by the way, congratulations for last night. Huh. Um, so except for the fight part. <laughs> right, exactly. I watched that again this morning. Uh, but yeah, but that one. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think that you got to look at um, what are you good at? Like maybe you're not good at helping in the bathroom, but can you prepare meals? Maybe you can go to the pharmacy and get the medicine or take him to the doctor. So it's, I think it, it, don't ever feel bad because there's certain tasks that you are not great at or you don't want to do. That's okay. I know when my husband's dad, my father-in-law was really sick, my husband said, I'll do anything except help him in the bathroom. He felt way uncomfortable. He said, I'll, I'll do errands, I'll, I'll give him his medicine, I will prepare meals, I'll cook, I'll do anything you want, but I just, I can't do that, I don't want to. And, you know, it worked out fine because everybody else in the family was okay with that and everybody had their, their strengths and it's okay to bring help in. You know, we, we have only a, a minute to go, and we're out of time, but real quickly, there's coming a time, I would suppose, that the family just can't handle it, and you have to put someone in a nursing home. And uh, many old people say, never put me in a nursing home. I don't want to go there. Uh, briefly, how do you handle that? Well, gosh, you sure gave me a lot of time for that one, Nick. Yeah, I know. Maybe we're going uh, we to have you on again that. sometime. Increasing <laughs> so. caregiving, we have a lot of discussion about that. That, you know, there are lots of ways to be a good caregiver just because you make the decision to utilize senior living, nursing home, adult day, hospice, home care. Um, you know, nobody just don't, I mean, you don't want to make that decision lightly, but you have to also look, is it too, what, what the care that that person needs too much for you? If it's too much for you and the family to do it at home, you have to let yourself off the hook and say, if it's too much for us, if we're all exhausted, if we all can't work, if we... Are, are completely spent, it might actually be better for my parent or my loved one to go somewhere where they can have round-the-clock care. Well, on, on that note, we're going to have to have you back some other time to talk about thank you, Nick. all the other issues. But thank you so very much, Jennifer Fitzpatrick and her book, Cruising Through Caregiving. If you're facing a caregiving situation, yet check out the book, Cruising Through Caregiving. Jennifer, thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, and thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do 